Today, we're going to continue the Deuteronomy series. This is the second last weekend of Deuteronomy, right? So this is going to be on Deuteronomy 31, and I think in two weeks' time, it will be the final closure, the final uh, ending of the whole book of Deuteronomy. And I tell you what, um, I have never studied the book of Deuteronomy so much in my life. Just, just the truth. I mean, I've read the five books um, since I was young. I've read all the way to Deuteronomy, but I've, I've never understood it like the way I understood it now, right? And I'm telling you, um, as I even study it more and more, more revelations keep coming up. And I wish I wish I had the time to say it all, but I don't. So today, we land on Deuteronomy chapter 31. And today, the topic is transformation. I do want to talk about transformation. And I want you to imagine the word transformation, and think about your personal transformation, all right? Your transformation. We know, as we receive Jesus Christ, just a, just a, a thought-provoking question. How have your life changed from the moment you received Jesus Christ until now, whenever that point is? How have your life changed? Was there any change? Is there any change? Or there's no change at all? Or you still live the same life that you led before you met Jesus Christ. So I'm very sure that there has been a change, there is a change from the point you meet Jesus Christ until the point now. But the big question I want to ask today is how do I know I am transformed in the book of Deuteronomy, according to Deuteronomy chapter 31? How do I know? How do you know that you have been transformed? How do you lead a tran- live a transformed life? Let's go, into, let's go into scriptures. All right. I, 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 I'm going to brush through because chapter 30 and chapter 31 is so closely related. And I, you know, I've been reading this so much. And I'm trying to figure out how and why did Moses cut and, cut and paste chapter 30 into chapter 31. And I'm just going to bring you along this storyline. And then I'll answer the question, how do we know that our lives have been transformed? Is that okay, church? Ready to read scripture? I want to read the first set. It's a very familiar set of scripture, but very close to my heart. And then I I do want to open in prayer. Transformation. I want to start the story before I go into Deuteronomy 31 with Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 1 and 6 says this. It says, the big heading there, I, I put in bold, circumcise your hearts, right? All these blessings and curses I have set before you come upon you and you take them to heart. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love Him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. Let's say a a prayer and then let's start. We thank you, Father God, for your word. Yes, Lord, circumcise our hearts today. Just Holy Spirit, come and speak to our hearts today. Father God, we want to live. We want to love you and live. We want to be circumcised in our hearts and live. So Holy Spirit, do what you do best. Convict us, comfort us, lead us, and speak to us this morning. We give you permission, Father God, to be here in the room with us. We give you permission. We invite you here. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You see, Deuteronomy chapter 31 needs to be understood in the context of 30. And it starts this way. Circumcise your hearts. All right? So before, before the, the whole context of, of the end of the book of Deuteronomy is the Israelites are now going into the promised land. They're going to take, 
territory, they're going to take positions, they're going to be a nation, they're going to be a group of people with a set identity. And before they went in, God says there's one very important lesson all of us need to learn, all of them need to learn, is circumcise your hearts before you go in. That's the first big header. The next uh, uh, set of verses is found in Deuteronomy chapter 31, where Israel enters the promised land. And it says here, the Lord your God Himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you and you will take possession of their land. And the Lord will do to them what He did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom He destroyed along with their land. So before they went to conquer the promised land, I want to remind everybody, God has already led the Israelites to defeat two giants, Sihon and Og. So killing giants is not new. It's not something that the new generation have to do. It's something that the Israelites have already been doing. God has proven Himself, and a new generation now have to conquer giants, new giants. The Lord will deliver the giants and the people to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave nor forsake you. I repeat, circumcise your heart before you go in and conquer and be courageous. Amen? Before you go into the promised land. Third portion of Scripture. Deuteronomy 31, 9 to 13. Then funnily, very funnily, Moses then inputs this little portion in the middle and says, this is now the year of cancelling of debts. And I'm going to explain a little bit more. This is, to me, quite interesting. So Moses wrote down this law and gave it to the priest the sons of Levi, who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and to all the elders of Israel. Then Moses commanded them, at the end of every seven years, in the year of cancelling debts, during the Feast of Tabernacles, dot, dot, dot. What is this year of cancelling debts? So in, in the Jewish custom, in the Jewish calendar in those days, what God instituted is a seven-year cycle, all right? So it starts with the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. Now in the seventh year, the perfect year, the perfect number, number seven, God says, in that whole year, I don't want you to work your fields. So you harvest all you can on the sixth year, and on the seventh year, you take a sabbatical rest. The whole year, you spend it with God. You renew your covenant with God. You read the laws. You bring up your children. All you need to do that year is to rest, and God will supply all your needs. And in that seventh year, they call it the year of the cancelling of debts. Why? Because in that year of release, in that year where God says, I want you to rest in Jesus Christ, rest in Yahweh, your God, I want you to forgive all the debts that people owe you. So I want you to think for yourself. If let's just say you're, uh, 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 um, you, somebody owes you $100, in the seventh year you go, I forgive you your $100 because God will supply all my need. If somebody uh, 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 wrongs you in a certain way, and you've got, a, you've got your unforgiveness, you've got bitterness, in the seventh year you go, I, I will release, I will forgive you, because God is the joy of my heart. God is the forgiveness of my heart. But basically the principle is on the seventh year, all debts are released, and you start afresh on the eighth year, or the first year again, the first year cycle. You start, everybody starts afresh. This is God's way of making the community as one. Now why do I find this interesting, and why I want to explain a bit more, because very interestingly, this is the year of Shemitah. This is actually the Jewish year of Shemitah, and they call it the year of release, the sabbatical year. It starts from the 7th of September 2021 last year, 
all the way to the 25th of September, 2022, this year. So in Israel, they're celebrating the year of Shemitah. Now, it's not as big as it was in the Old Testament, but this is what they're keeping in mind. Now, why is this very relevant to us? Because we're coming to the end of the year of the cancellation of debts. We're coming to the end, and the end is almost coinciding with the end of the 40 days fast and pray. And I, I want to believe inside of me, when I read this, something within me jumps up and says that, you know, in this year, it's the year where we release, where we let go, and we, we, we trust God with a lot of things, and we say, God, we let you go, we let this go, we let things go, in our, all the baggages that you've been carrying, all the, all the burdens and all the stress that you've been carrying, release it onto God and says, God, I want to release and I want to let go, because God is going to provide for you. God is going, God, you're going to put your trust in God, and God is going to come through for you. You want to see the awesomeness of God. And I want to believe in the 40 days fast and pray, which comes up in two weeks. So I want to prepare the church. We're going to a season of 40 days, and these 40 days will end around this 25th of September. That I want you to bear that in mind as I speak this whole sermon, that there is something happening in the spiritual, that we, we, we may not understand it. We, we just need to align and obey with it. Now, what does this mean for us? Next year, or maybe to 26th of September, October onwards, or if you want to follow the, our normal calendar, January 2020, 2023 onwards, there is a new start of a new cycle. We're going into a new season. This is the end of one season, and we're going to go into a new season. And in that new season, we're going to have to rebuild. We're going to have to re-sow because we're going to have to plant our harvest. God has provided for us. God has, has, has come through for us. But because God has forgiven, God has provided much, and we are forgiving, and we are going to release the debts of people against us, God says, you rebuild on the start of this new cycle of seven. So after the 40 days, I want to believe in this church, SIBKL, we're going to see a great release of bitterness, a great release of unforgiveness, a great release of some of us carrying so much burdens, so a, a release of stress, a release of, of family conflicts, a release that's going to happen in the 40 days. And we're going to start afresh and we're going to rebuild. We're going to sow into our families. We're going to sow into our spiritual life. We're going to sow into our church. We're going to sow into our cell groups. We're going to sow into SIBKL. We're going to start again. And this, I believe, is something spiritual that's happening, and we just need to catch hold of it. Amen, church? Year of cancelling of debts. And I think that's why Moses just slips it in in the middle, and then he continues to say, when, when, when you come together at the Feast of Tabernacles, you come together to release and to cancel debts and to forgive everybody's debts, and all forgiveness happens, when all Israel comes before God, He will choose, you shall read this law before them in the hearing. Now, I think this is appropriate for Child Dedication Day. Assemble the people, the men, the women, the children, the foreigners living in your town so they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words of this law. Their children who do not know this law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So when we come before God, we release and forgive people of their debts. Everybody come together and read the law. Come back to Scripture and build our foundation. I want to move on to the last two. And then Deuteronomy 31, funnily, Moses again continues by saying, when you do all this, when you release debts, when you, when you come before God and read the law, there, in the distant, distant future, your hearts will grow cold. You will still be a rebellious people. Verse 16, these people would soon prostitute themselves to the foreign gods of the land that they are entering. 
They will forsake me and break the covenant I make with them. On that day, I will become angry and forsake them. I will hide my face from them and they will be destroyed. And then Moses ends this way. Oh, come back to the heart of worship. Deuteronomy 31. Now write down for yourselves this song and teach it to the Israelites and have them sing it. And Moses recited the words of this song from beginning to the end. I want to move on a little bit, but I, I, I thought this is interesting. That worship is an integral part of our, of our service. Worship is an integral part of our, our community. That at the end of the day, all our hearts long to worship, long to sing. And God even commands it, write all these laws down and sing it to the Israelites. Sing it. I believe in my heart of hearts that Moses was not musically inclined. All right? I believe he can't sing. I believe he's not musically inclined. He can't worship. Why? Now, this is just me. This is just me, all right? I may be wrong. When I go to heaven, I'll ask him myself. But he says here, and Moses recited the words. He, he read the words. He didn't say Moses sang the words. He says Moses worshipped the words. No, Moses recited the words, which means I think Moses may, you know, may not be so musically inclined, but who knows, right? I may be wrong. Maybe in those days, recited means to sing. But I think Moses may have left it to Aaron or maybe have left it to the Levitical priest to do the singing and words of this song from beginning to the end. And if you read chapter 32, it's the song of Moses. And in one of those songs, when I, when I was reading it through, actually I read it a few times, one portion uh, jumps out to me. And if you are older than 45, you would know this portion uh, very well. If you're younger, bear with me. I said, okay. It says here, uh, verse 32, I think verse 5 onwards, ascribe greatness to the Lord our rock. His ways is perfect and all His ways are just. Ascribe greatness to the Lord the rock. His ways are perfect and all His ways are just. The Lord without injustice, good and is He a God of faithfulness and without injustice, good and upright is He? Wow. You know, that's literally seeing Scripture. Am I right? Everybody above 40 all, you're like, well, I remember the days of my youth, all right? Everybody below 45 is, what in the world is happening here, all right? But if you're below 45 in this place, can I just encourage you? This is, this is how we used to sing Scripture in, 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 when I was the days of my youth, right? We sing Scripture and it comes alive and who knows? We can bring it back in the future, right? But I want to move on forward. How do we know I am transformed? How do I know I'm transformed? And I have five points taken from the five scriptures. So you must follow me chronologically. You must remember what happened in the Old Testament. And I want to challenge all today on five points. Where is your heart? Where is your courage? Where is your foundation? Where is your covenant? And where is your worship? Everybody say it. Heart, courage, foundation, covenant, worship. Amen. You see, I'm, there's a parallel between the Old Testament and the New. And I want to I bring us our attention to heart. Where is our heart? Some of us believe that circumcision are our days of old. It believe it belongs to the Jewish community. We don't need to do it anymore. But God has always encouraged us that we need to circumcise our hearts. The physical act of circumcision may have been abolished, but the, circumcise, the, the spiritual aspect of circumcision in our heart still stays until today. See, Colossians says, in Christ, 
you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off. You know, when I think about my flesh ruling me, what, do you, what, what is the one word that jumps out to you? Because I know the one word that jumps out to me. When I say your flesh rules you, it, it, it shows your appetite, your hunger. Your flesh hungers for something, right? I want to guarantee you, if you don't eat for one day, your, 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 your most unfavorite food becomes your favorite food. If you don't eat for three days, water tastes like honey from the rock, right? You see, your flesh hungers for something, and your flesh would always draw you towards something. How do you know that you have been circumcised in your heart? It's when you have a spiritual hunger for Jesus Christ. We need to be hungry for Jesus Christ. And I want to challenge all of us here. How deep not is your love, but how deep is your hunger for Jesus? What are you hungry for, right? How do you know what you're hungry for? Is when you go home, what, do you, what, do you, what is the first thing that you do? Because hunger does not always got to do with an eating appetite. Hunger got to do with your mental appetite, your emotional appetite. You see, when the first thing that you wake up, what do you do? What is the first thing you do? How many of us, you don't have to raise your hands, the first thing we do when we wake up is to turn on our phones to check something, whatever that thing is. If you want to check your games notification because you need to do something, or you want to check your emails, or you want to check who is messaging you at 2 o'clock in the morning because it's super important, right? Whoever messages you at 2 o'clock in the morning, that is what you're hungry for. You're hungry for whatever that is on your phone because it feeds your appetite. And if every day you do it, every day you do it, it's going to be a habit. It's going to fill you more than anything else. And once you're full with the things of the world, how can you hunger for the things of God? And that's why sometimes we are, we're not hungry for the things of God because we're so full with the things of the world. How many of us here, when we, when we, after a whole full days of work, you've worked your heart out, you know, everybody's in bed, what do you do in the next two hours before you fall, to, fall asleep? What do you do? What do you do every night before you fall asleep? Now, that tells me what you are hungry for. That tells me what you are feeding your soul. And what you feed your soul defines your belief system. And what defines your belief system defines who you are and how you think and how you act. And today, God says, how do you know you are transformed? When you have this, just, just hunger for Jesus Christ. Hunger for the things of God. How many of us come into church hungry to experience the presence? You know, I, I come into church. Now, I know you say, Pastor, you're a pastor, so you have to hunger. You have no choice, right? No, I'm telling you, I have a choice. I could come here and go, you know what? This is going to be any other service. Let's do Let's dedicate the child. Good job, guys, you know, for having babies. Well done, right? Let's, let, let's do service. No, I'm telling you, I'm excited. I'm passionate for the things of God because I'm hungry to see God move. You know, every, every week, I, I'm blessed with just testimonies and stories of people coming to Jesus, people giving their life up to Jesus. You know, just last, last week or two weeks ago, somebody sent me a video where, you know, one of the leaders went to a home went into a home of, of, of an elderly couple, prayed for this elderly couple because the elderly couple was sick. And this elderly couple just gave their life to Jesus. And this elderly couple just broke out in tongues there and then inside the homes. And then their children came and says, 
Father, mother, what are you doing? Is everything okay? Have you gone insane, right? They says, no, we're now filled with the Holy Spirit and we're so excited. And, and then the whole family got saved. Hallelujah. And you know, when I hear stories like that, oh, don't you get excited? Don't you say, wow, Jesus is doing something. Jesus is doing something in our church and in our communities with the people out there. How many of us go, ooh, not bad. Very good, all right? What's next on Netflix, right? Uh, what's next on Disney Plus, right? How, where is your hunger? And I, you know, I want to believe that in the five o'clock service on a Saturday, and of course, including the two services on Sunday, that we as a church, we're hungry. And I want to encourage all of us here. The 40 days fast and pray is coming. Two weeks' time, it's on the way. It's almost there. Don't wait until the launch of the 40 days and you go, actually, should I? Or should I not? I'm not too sure. Don't wait, because by the time you wait, I know what the world forces and your, 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 your peer pressure will push you in the wrong direction. Now, make a decision today that I, I'm going to fast and already start preparing yourself. If you want to fast one meal a day, start, start cutting down the food already. Look, I'm very intentional in everything I do, right? I already know what I want to fast. I'm going to fast at least two meals every day, so I'm already starting to cut down my food intake. But uh, uh, lately... Praise the Lord for my friends. They gave me a bag of Garrett's popcorn. Um, I could not resist temptation, I tell you the truth. I, I could not resist temptation. I, I, I really thank them for it, but uh, I'm consuming half the bag as fast as I can so that I can fast in the 40 days. But what the, the point is, we've got to start preparing ourselves. So I want to encourage you. What, are you hung, what are you hungry to see in your family? Do you want to influence your children? Do your children here? Do you want to influence your parents in a spiritual way? So let's go deeper together. Like if you've never prayed together in your whole 40 years, 50 years of your life, maybe 40 days says, God, I want to see a breakthrough. I want to pray with my parents one time. All right? Aim, 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 you know, reasonable, right? Let's be practical with our objective, right? One time, I'm going to pray for 40 days and I'm going to break through one time. If you have never, if, you, if you're praying for your child and your child is going through a difficult season, whatever that season may be, use this 40 days because it's going to be the year of the cancelling of debt. It's going to be the, a year of release and I'm going to believe something amazing is going to happen in this church, but we've got to prepare our spirits. So I want to, I want to churn up your hunger in this place. I want to say that when in the 40 days, fast some Something of your favorite food. I know what I'm going to fast. I love Coke. I really love Coke. I love Coke so much that I dream Coke. I think Coke. You know, Coke is my life. It's more, it's more valuable to me than water, right? And, you, and some of you are like, oh man, this is unhealthy. I know, all right? I have a wife. Uh, uh, she tells me every day, right? Uh, but I don't drink every day. But I'm telling you, I'm ready to fast it because I'm telling you, you, you think, Pastor, sacrificing my food for Jesus, is it worth it? Is it not? Is it not to draw closer to you, to whet our appetites, to say, I'm going to attend prayer altars at night because I am determined for a breakthrough. Do you know there's a lot of people that were counseling in addiction, in depression, and in anxiety, and I can't tell you all the stories, but I'm challenging each and every one of them, and I may not know your story, but I'm challenging you today. Don't take the next, this coming 40 days lightly because it's one of the 40 days that aligns with the Shemitah. 
and I'm truly going to believe in the spiritual, something is going to release, something is going to break. And when we re-sow, can you imagine that you've been praying for that depression to break in your family for the last 10 years? You can't break it. But these 40 days, you break it. And then in the, when the start of the new cycle of seven, you rebuild, you re-sow into your spirit, and your family is changed forevermore. And I'm telling you, I can't wait to hear all your transformation stories. What are you hungry for? Are you hungry for God? Or are you hungry for everything else but God? And that is how you know your heart has been circumcised. Your hunger. Oh. Are you thinking about dinner? Not yet. Soon. Second point. Where is your courage? Where is your courage? I take this from 2 Corinthians. 10, chapter, chapter 10, 4 to 5. You see, back in the Old Testament, the Israelites had to conquer territory, they had to fight giants, they had to pull down strongholds. But now you ask, are we going to invade Singapore? No, we're not. Are we going to invade Klang? No, <laughs> we're not. Then what is our promised land? What is the territory? What are the giants do we need to fight? These are the giants. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Our weapons of our warfare now, it is mighty in God. They are not in the carnal, but in the spiritual. And we wage the spiritual war to pull down every stronghold that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. I ask you this day, where is your courage to pull down spiritual strongholds that grips you and cannot let go? It's either the stronghold will not let you go or you will not let the stronghold go. And after years and years of struggling, you know, sometimes we speak to people like, oh, I've been, I've been struggling with this for so long, I can't get out of it. Ah, it's okay, like, it's a part of me. No, it is not a part of you. Anxiety will never be a part of you. Fear will never be a part of you. We are people of faith that we have to break down these strongholds. We have to say no in the name of Jesus. You know, if you're, if you're worried that your children are going through, you know, oh, these days, in, 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 these children go through so many things. You want to know what I'm worried for for my children? I tell you what I'm worried for. The digital space. I am very worried when my son, and they're already climbing up my phone and want to be on Instagram and everything, all right, because they have this awesome pig and dog cat filter that, that changes his look and he loves it. But, okay, that's very innocent for now. But in the future, you can access anything you want on social media. You have, there is no accountability in the digital space. Nobody is watching you. Nobody is policing you. Nobody is saying you cannot do this, you should not do this. Nobody. You can do anything you want. You can be anything you want in the digital space. And oh man, I tell you, my heart cries for the next generation in the digital space. Because you can look at me and say, you can be the nicest Christian, you know? How are you? Oh, God bless you. I'm having a good week. You could smile to me, and then online, I can see your avatar and what your name is, and you're saying a whole different thing. So you have a split personality, and I'm telling you, that is what I'm worried for, for the next generation and my children. And I'm praying into it. I'm praying, God, give me the wisdom to conquer this spiritual territory of digital space. What are you worried for in your life? What are you praying for in your families? What strongholds do you want to tear down? What bitterness? You know, we, I was just 
I was just talking to somebody a few weeks ago that this family had never gathered together for Chinese New Year in, the, in eight years because of one fight. They have, after that fight, they have not gathered together in eight years. And I say, this is going to be the year. This year, you're going to pray. And you're going, and they say, what do I do? I, I, you know, I, we live with it. I says, no, you cannot give in to the stronghold. What you need to do is you need to be the force to step in, step up, and pray into the spiritual, and believe, and you pull down that stronghold and every argument and every high thing that sets itself up. And where are we going in the future? We are going to tear down strongholds. We are going to see transformation after transformation after transformation in our families and in your life and in my life, and we're going to be as a church spiritually excited and hungry for God. Amen, church? Amen. Hallelujah, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm so round, I'm passionate about this because I really, 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 really believe with all my heart that if we rally together as a church in our cell groups, in our ministry groups, let's start praying for one another. Oh man, that when you hear of your friend who's been struggling with something for years and finally break, breakthrough happens, man, you cannot stop but praising God. It has to be Jesus. Well, this release has to be Jesus. And you will praise God and praise God. And that's how you know you have been transformed. When you have the courage to face a spiritual stronghold and says, in the name of Jesus, I am a, not a nobody. I am a somebody. I am a child of the Most High. I am a child of the living God. I am the child of the Almighty. And in the name of Jesus, I stand before you to break down every spiritual stronghold. And later on at the end, we're going to worship. We're going to break down every stronghold of depression, every stronghold of anxiety, every stronghold of, of, of belief system that wants to corrupt our minds and we're going to pray into it. Amen, church? We're going to worship at the end. Amen, church? Oh, the worship is going to be powerful. Where is your courage? So if you don't have courage, then you know something is not right. You go back to the beginning. Circumcise your heart. Then when you have circumcised your heart and you're spiritually hungry, I believe God will give you that courage. I want to move on to foundation. You see, in the foundation, when it, what is the significance of this year of release or sabbatical cancelling of debt to us? Colossians chapter 2, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. That is your one spiritual stronghold that you, is broken right there. All your shame, your guilt, all the sins that you cannot you cannot let go, you cannot forget all the, the wrongdoings that you have that comes up to accuse you, that comes up to shame you, that every time you want to raise your hand in worship, you hold back because, ah, I can't worship, I'm, 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 I'm the worst sinner in this entire sanctuary. Or every time you want to step forward in worship or step forward in altar call, you hold back because God, God cannot love a guy like me, God cannot love a girl like me. No! God says He has cancelled the charge of all your legal debts on that cross when He died for you. He paid your ransom to the full that we every year now live in this year of release every day because Jesus has paid it full. And that's why He has paved the way for us to have a circumcised heart. He has paved the way for us to have courage in our lives to fight demonic strongholds. Amen, church? And moving on, Colossians chapter 2, so now that our legal debt has been forgiven, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, 
continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. You see, when we tear down strongholds, God says you're going to need to build another stronghold. And that building of the stronghold, it's always the Word of God. It is always the Word of God. Why do you think year after year, we do, we do a Daniel study, we do an Isaiah study, we do a Revelation study, we've got Christian, we've got the leadership trainings, we've got the Christian uh, uh, discipleship tr- uh, classes for us. Every year on our pulpit, we teach books after books after books. What? Why? It's because we want to build our foundation. You see, when you know that all your debt has been paid on the cross, you will never be the same again. But until you know that, your foundation is shaky. So we build it one step at a time. So year after year, and in this next 40 days, let's build it. Let's build the Word. Pick, okay, I want to say pick a book or pick a chapter to study, but why don't you follow our NACF booklet because they've already come up with a nice, uh, they've already done up the whole 40-day study. Why don't each of us download the digital booklet? It's going to be available soon. Download the digital booklet. If not, get a physical copy and let's start studying. Let's start reading. What do you want to do in cells? Take one day out of that book and say, cell, what is God speaking to you? What is God speaking to you? Share your heart out and pray for each other. And I truly believe the foundation of all our lives is strong. How do you know you have been transformed? When you see the world through the lens of Jesus Christ and you see the world through the lens of the laws of God, You see the world through the Word of God and that's how you know you have been transformed. You know, sometimes people ask, people ask, can I, can I drink a little, Pastor? Young adults maybe. Can I drink a little? Is it a sin if I drink? I says, no. Everything is permissible. You can drink if you want. But what is God telling you about the drink? Drink for what? If you're drinking, what is your motivation? Is it to relieve stress? Then you're going to the wrong place. You have to come back to this. You're drinking for for what? Is Is it to make friends? Then you're making friends in the wrong place. Come back to this. God says, I have affirmed your identity as a child of God. You don't have to be insecure with your identity. What are you drinking for? To get drunk and to have a good time? Come back to this. God says, don't get drunk, but get drunk in the Spirit. Get drunk in the Spirit. And, the, and that's the answer. But if you don't know what's, 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 what's in this, then you will not know the answer to that question. I says, what is God telling you? That is the most important in this place. Where is your foundation? Now, if you're, if you're a doubt in this place, you go, okay, I'm all right, I'm secure. Then your foundation, you need to start building the foundation of our next generation. Because their foundation, if not shaped by God, will be shaped by the world. And we cannot allow that to happen. How do you know you're transformed? When your heart is circumcised, when you're hungry for God, when you have the courage to stand up and say, I will tear down this demonic stronghold in my family. How do you know you've been transformed? When you love the Word of God so much that it doesn't depart from you. How do you know you have been transformed? When you have a renewed covenant with Jesus Christ. You know, we preached two weeks ago about remembering and renewing our covenant with Jesus. You see, it's not a one-time thing. It's an everyday thing. Hebrews 10, And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. 
For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. What is the difference between a heart of stone and a heart of flesh? The only analogy that came to my mind is this. When I was single, well, I, a thousand years ago, when I was single, it feels like a thousand years ago. Oh, my wife's there. It feels like a thousand years ago. When I was single in my days, I used to own a Myvi, right? It's one of my beloved Myvi, my white one. And I would drive like maybe to Ipoh or Malacca, whatever it is, right? Whatever single people do, right? We would drive. And in those days, I would love to test the limits of my Myvi, right? You're single, you're young, you're, you're a man. Man, you test the limits of your car. You would go at 130, 140, and you go, ooh, all right? You know, this, this, this is at, at, some, at some speed of your car, it tends to no longer have friction to the road. So it flies a little bit, it goes a bit too fast. And you go, ooh, this is exciting. Ooh, this is uh, reverberating in my spirit. I love this excitement, this adrenaline that is pumping within my veins. But you slow down. And I would always slow down because somewhere in that adrenaline pump, I would realize, oh, the yellow sign that would flash, the speed traffic camera is coming up, that the speed limit is 110. I go, oh, I gotta slow down. Man, what a bus kill. What a, man, you, you know, you're, you're curbing my style, man, government. You're, the laws of the land, you're curbing my style. I'm trying to be cool, I'm trying to be hip, you know, fast and furious and everything, you know. But when I got married, when I've got children, and when the baby seat's in the car, and now, when I drive, with, of course, now a, a little bigger car, and I drive down to, like, a, for a holiday, wherever we go, right, I automatically always tell myself, ooh, slow down. Slow down, because my kids are in the car. My wife's in the car, so oh, slow down. Oh, 100, 100 kilometers is already too fast, all right? And you know my sons, they're like, faster, dad, faster, right? I'm like, no, all right, no, all right, slow down. What's the difference? The difference is that we, we always feel that we have a heart of stone, the law is holding me back from having fun. The law is stopping me from being who I am in our lives. Don't you think? I can't have fun with my friends because I'm a Christian, I have to go to a cell group, I have to go to prayer. I, I, I'm being stopped. I wish I could have fun. Oh man, I wish I could be like you guys, having so much fun. I wish I could go on holidays with, with whoever, whoever, and do whatever, whatever. Oh, so much fun, so much fun. Oh, but oh, the laws of God, oh my goodness, these laws are holding me back from having fun. Then you know that you don't have the God circumcised in your heart. How do you know? It's when you go, now, I want to slow down because I'm responsible for my children. I want to obey because I love my children. I want to obey the laws because it's designed for my safety because I love my family. I don't want anything bad to happen to my family for one minute of fun. That's, that's exactly what covenant is. When He's written it on your heart, when you renew the covenant in your heart, when you're circumcised in your heart, you naturally just want to obey. You may not understand everything, you may not understand the do's and why, but you just want to. You just say, I want to do it. I want to love you, God. Why? Because, oh, I know I'm safe in your hand. I want to love you, God. Why? Because I know if I don't, oh man, all hell will break loose. I want to love you, God. Why? Because when the enemy comes up against me and I don't have Jesus behind me, I know I'm going to crumble and fall. But if I have Jesus in my corner, if I have Jesus in my heart, I know I can stand up tall with my two feet firmed on the rock and face my enemy face first and says, no, 
in the name of Jesus. That's renewing the covenant every day. Every day. So I ask you, how do you know you have a transformed life? When you know that in your heart, you want to do it. Instead of, I have to do it. Now you want to do it. I want to love you more, God. I really want to. And my final point is this. How do you know you have a transformed life? Is when you worship with everything that you have. That's why I love worship. Colossians chapter 3. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. How do you know when you have a transformed life? When you just come into the presence of God in worship and you just do whatever you want. Says, God, take my worship. I yield my worship to you. If you want to raise your hands, do it. If you want to kneel, you do it because you are, there's no shame in the presence of God in your worship. When you want, if you want to cry, bawl your eyes out, bawl your eyes out in the presence of worship. God, I'm here to give you my all. I'm here to give you my best. I'm here to sing my heart out to you because I want to experience what it means to be in your presence. I want my life to be transformed. And that's when you know, and that's when you know that you have given up all the shame that people can mock you. Oh, you know, when I was younger, when I was way, way younger, I used to raise my hands and jump. Now you see me jumping all around. I'm, I'm a little crazy during worship, right? You see me doing all these things. Because when I was young, people would say, ah, this Isaac, what's he doing, man? He's so radical. You know, what's he doing? You know, they would mock me and say, hi, you know, this guy is crazy in worship. And I would just take it and say, no, I'm not. I'm not trying to be outstanding. I'm not trying to draw attention to myself. Forgive me if I do, but I'm just, when I worship, I can't help it. I can't help but raise my hands. I can't help but shout. I can't help but sing my heart out because I know that I'm safe in the presence of worship. I know that I'm safe there. That if I come from a very stressful week, if your business is going through an incredible amount of stress, you are safe in the presence of worship. You are safe when you raise your hands and God sees your heart of worship and He will meet you where you are. So I ask you, in the almost at the end of the seven-year cycle, will you consecrate your heart? Consecrate your courage. Consecrate your foundation. Consecrate your covenant. And consecrate your worship. Because I truly believe a breakthrough is around the corner for each and every one of you. And in the first starting of the next seven years, you're going to rebuild. When God has tore down that stronghold of your life, whatever it may be, you will rebuild again. You would re-sow and there will be a harvest and there will be fruits and there will be just a bountiful of blessing that God will give and it will come your way when we speak Jesus. And we're going to speak Jesus right now. We're going to end with this worship. I speak Jesus. And as we sing this song, I want us all to think about all the strongholds you have in your life. I want you to think about your spiritual hunger. I want you to think about your foundation in the Word. 
I want you to think about your renewal of your covenant with God again and again. And I want you to think about your worship. And I want you to speak Jesus. I want to speak Jesus against every depression. I speak Jesus against every, every physical disease. I speak Jesus against every fear. I speak Jesus against every anxiety. I speak Jesus, 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 come and transform my life. Come and transform my family. Come and transform my church because without Jesus, we are nothing. But we have beef Jesus. With Jesus, oh, we are everything in Christ. We are everything in Christ. Amen, church? Holy Spirit flame burn like a fire amongst us. Oh, just burn our lives, God. We yield to your Holy Spirit. Oh, come and do a transformational work in my life. I yield to your Holy Spirit. Father God, I just cry out to you. It says, God, we want to be hungry for you. We don't want to be a church that is just lackadaisical in our spirituality or just apathetic, you know, indifferent to everything that goes on. Father God, we want to be hungry for Jesus. We need you, Jesus. So today, as in this service, we're crying out to you. We need you, Jesus. Burn like a fire in our lives. Burn like a fire in our lives. Come and awake, O oh my soul. Awake, O oh my soul. Arise and shine, O oh my soul, for the things of God. Awake, O oh my soul, for the things of God. Oh Lord Jesus Christ, today birth within us, Father Lord Jesus, that spiritual hunger, that we are willing to do whatever you ask of me. We want to obey you. We want to love you. We want to follow you and we want to fear you all the days of our lives, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father God, I pray that in the coming 40 days, that your Spirit will convict all our hearts here, that we're willing to just seek you in prayer. We want to go deeper in you, Father God. And Father God, I pray that there's going to be such a release these 40 days. There's going to be a cancellation of so many debts in this place. Father God, there's going to be a breaking of so many strongholds in this place. We tear down those strongholds in the name of Jesus in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. So Lord Jesus, Father God, you see us all here. Come and work within us, Father God. Come and speak to us, Lord Jesus, as we renew our love, we renew our covenant for you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father God. So separate us now, oh Lord God, with your favor, with your face that shines upon us. Father God, with the peace of God that rests within us, Father God, with the love of the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the grace of your Son, Jesus Christ. We love and honor you, God. All glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah.